I left a note on Laura's desk. It said I In their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the homestyle you proudly presents Request 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 181. I am Peter. Hey, you got it right. Yeah. And I am Joey. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I, I checked... And the email that I sent out last week, I did get that right, okay. the subject line, but uh, no, not not the audio. Um, welcome back, everyone. I hope everybody, including our English listeners, um, had a good Thanksgiving. Yeah. Giving thanks for getting rid of us. You know, we, uh, we talked about this uh, in our conversation. Uh, we wondered whether Bob and SpongeBob celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. I don't even know if they're still listening anymore because we haven't heard from them for a while. <laughs> it's just fair. They're busy. <laughs> and in fact, they're probably not listening to us right now because isn't it the, I think in the middle of their holy days right now? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you referring to Ramadan? Yeah. I don't think that's happening. I haven't heard it anyway. I, okay. I, I could be wrong. It's happened before on um, this very podcast. Uh, I think it was Hanukkah. At the same time that it was Thanksgiving, really? So maybe Hanukkah is happening right now. And that could you're be just, it. You're screwing up religions now. <laughs> uh, I just—it seemed like it was about the same time last year. It's not at the same time. Oh, okay. I didn't because know that. they, they—I believe—I could be wrong—that they go off of a lunar calendar. Oh, okay. And so, so the, it doesn't line up. Yeah. yeah, days do not. So it shifts, much like Hanukkah shifts. Right. Okay. So, fair enough. Some, something else? Anything? Uh, no, we're just we're just curious. So, you know, we'd like to know. You know, because okay. because SpongeBob does have a you know does come from America. Maybe they maybe they do it over there. Who knows? We have a couple of emails. Well, let's see here. Five emails from Mark. <laughs> uh, and so I wanted to go over them um, because he took the time to send them in. Um, he says. One more thing, I'm going to cook a duck this year for my feast. Okay. So I have to find out how that went, Mark. I hope the duck turned out you know, well I've for you. I've never had duck. I don't know if it's Neither have I. Okay. I've heard wondrous things about its fat, but I've, I've never eaten the, the actual meat of a duck. Okay. I wonder if it would be gamey of any sort, but... Oh, well. Um, let's see here. He also said... Hey, dudes, you might get to watch Series 3 of Sherlock after BSG after all. And he included a link um, to the PBS page where it indicated January 14th. Okay. Or January something 2014 is when Sherlock is going to start playing. Here in America. Yeah. Uh, Which I I would imagine it's probably going to be about the same time uh, just because... So it's a global community. Yeah. We're we're all one together. Uh, he sent in another one that says, What is the status of your podcast affiliated with your job? I assume on hold because of busyness with other more important projects. 
Yes. Uh, I, I do have one podcast in the can right now that we're trying to get published. Uh, unfortunately, there's some associated documentation that we're still working with the designer and a couple of people that are content reviewers to get that article written so that what goes live uh, matches up with the podcast as it gets published. Yeah, and and plenty busy as well. But uh, we've made some recent hires so that uh, you might not be uh, involved in every project that we're working on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's that. Um, listener Fishhead sent in an email that said the subject was team chess. If you consider chess a sport, there are a couple of team versions. Huh. First... There is what we call Siamese chess, but it goes by several other names. Basically, it's a four-player version with two players on a team with two games playing simultaneously. Each team has one playing white and the other black. During your turn, instead of moving a piece on your particular board, you can place a piece your teammate has captured onto your board. <laughs> If you have played this with, uh, I have played this with and without a clock. Second, you can actually play as a team with individual games going on. If you have five players on a team, you match up against another five players, and whichever team wins at least three games wins the match. Okay. Players can't help each other. Traditionally, you put your best player in the first position, second best in second, and so on. You can mix it up depending on the strength of your individual players and your understanding of the imposing team. For example, I have seen teams put their worst player in the first position when they know that their first position couldn't beat the other team's first player. Sure. Throwing the first game with the anticipation that your team will be able to pick up enough wins in the other positions. It can get more complicated than this, especially if any of your team's players already has a history with a player from the other team. Some players are not necessarily better players than others, but they have got it into the head of an opposing player, sure. yeah. so they tend to beat them. Even though I enjoy playing chess once in a while, I still don't consider chess a sport, any more than shoots and ladders, Candyland, Clue, Monopoly, Risk, Go, or Settlers of Catan would be a sport. Man, I totally should have said shoots and ladders is one of my favorite sports to play. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that he said uh, he, in uh, parentheses he put snakes and ladders. as uh, that, That's what it's uh, uh, known as over in the British Isles. Um, he, uh, thank you very much for the, the email. I'm glad that uh, what I thought was a ridiculous notion turns out to be potentially a real thing. So that's, uh, that's funny. I actually would like to really try that. The Siamese chess. That sounds like a lot of fun. End up with two queens on the board. Uh, maybe one day when if, if we could manage to get uh, Fishhead to join us on the podcast, we could make it a night where you know you could play that game and with we could him. Podcast that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Count me out. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's, uh, those are the emails I wanted to read, um, for now. Okay. We do have others though. Um, anything five? else from you? No. Okay. Let's do Facebook find of the week okay. then. Um, that is absolutely going to 
Make it so, make it so, make it so. Didn't see this. Oh, well, number one, no one's surprised. <laughs> number two, you are missing out. I'll, it I'll is check it out. Absolutely funny. It's one of those things where they piece together a um, a song from something that oh, okay. you know one word at a time. Sure. And they did it with Captain Picard to the tune of "Make It Snow." Oh, okay. And instead of "Make It Snow," he says. Make it so. Gotcha. It is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I wasn't, like, I had already kind of chosen my winner, but when this came around, I was like, no, there, nothing can beat this. <laughs> this is too fantastic. Uh, so, Fishhead, great find. Um, I think we, we actually got an email from Mark about it as well. Uh, Mark ditched his Facebook account. Oh. I'm not sure why, but he ditched it. So, uh, hey, I, he must be hiding from the cops. Well, I hope that works out for him. <laughs> so, congratulations, Fishhead. Um, no email from Brainy. Of course, I did send it out the email out super late because I forgot, you know, and Thursday night came <laughs> around, so I quickly sent it. Um, but uh, let's do a top five. And the choice we did was top five sports to watch. Um, and we did get an email from Mark about this, and uh, so here it goes. Number five, curling. Okay. Curling. Can you actually watch that anytime other than the Olympics? Because that's something I'm sure. you find on TV. Oh, I'm sure you probably could. Okay. I don't know where, but I'm sure you probably could. I mean, obviously, there has to be that much of like uh, an, an organized sport sport of it to to be sure. able to have a, I, I, as an olympic activity that all of the nations of the world can participate in so i would imagine there's, I, I, there's I know be. i know that it is like there is a league in canada i just didn't know if they televised the games in a way that we could watch it here in the u.s espnc <laughs> i don't know that's all i got espn eight the ocho <laughs> the ocho uh number four doubles figure skating Doubles figure skating. Okay. Uh, not my favorite. Number three, tennis. Number two, baseball. Wow. And, and number one, <laughs> synchronized swimming. Which makes me think, I don't think he's taking this list seriously. <laughs> I think you've well, you chosen hold on. terrible things. Hold on. Synchronized swimming... Is actually kind of cool to watch because no, no, it's kind no. of amazing the stuff that those people can do in the water and stay synchronized. It's kind of cool. It ridiculous. Okay, ridiculous. I, I, I like watching tennis. I wouldn't list it as one of my favorites, but I enjoy watching a tennis match now and again. So I didn't think that one was unusual. Uh, doubles figure skating. Let's see you defend that one. No, can't. I've never cared for it. My wife likes it. You know, in this world of uh, political correctness towards same gender, I wonder if we <laughs> might get to a time where doubles figure skating, you could have two dudes or two ladies yeah. skating. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. Um, okay, that's all the emails for... Top five? Yes. Nothing from Fishhead, huh? Uh, no, I was surprised by that too. Okay, I thought he might, but uh, you know, since it was his su suggestion, but yeah, maybe he just didn't have time. Again, I I sent it out late. Okay, fair enough. 
So I'll go into my top five here. Uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention to the NBA Finals. This is not an actual sport. I mean, so ba- professional basketball? basketball? No, 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 no. I don't like watching professional basketball because it's so often that there's just one team on the court that just doesn't look like they belong in professional basketball. But by the time the finals run around, roll around, you generally have uh, a few athletes who are absolutely at the top of their game. And that can be kind of fun to watch. But I just don't enjoy There's too much basketball in the regular season and too many teams that are mediocre at best for me to enjoy regular season basketball. But when the finals roll around, I enjoy that. Okay. My number five is gymnastics. Specifically, this is, a, a, you know, I usually only watch this as an Olympic thing. And, uh, you know, it's the women's gymnastics, I guess is what you call it. Uh, I, I like the all around part where you get to see him do several different kind of, uh, forms of gymnastics. Uh, I always wonder when I'm watching it, you know, is, is it okay that I'm watching this and enjoying it? Yeah. You bring up a good point because, <laughs> um, I used to, I mean, I kind of enjoyed watching gymnastics. It was okay, but there was the, um, this comedian who was on NBC's like America's funniest comic or something like that, you know, where he is part of his, his Routine. time. He was like, well, I, I think I, I think I'm going to have to do it. I, I, I went down and I got myself registered as a pedophile. You know, <laughs> I, I, I just love watching women's gymnastics so much. And I was like, wow, we did put it in those terms <laughs> because it, in truth, most of them are teenage girls yeah, at the, best. Um, and, uh, I, ever, ever since then, it, I haven't been creeped out, but I've not gone out of my way to watch it because now that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. And it's not, I'm, it's not y- like young I'm, girls dressed up in, in swimming suits, right? <laughs> yes. At best. Uh, it's not, it's not like I get aroused watching the thing. I just always wonder if someone else sees me watching this, what is their perception of it going to be? Right. But just make sure Beth is watching it with you. Okay. I, I usually have my wife watch it with me, and then okay. so you know it's you're not probably too weird. fine. Then you're probably fine. Uh, number four is beach volleyball, mm-hmm. both men and women's. Uh, I remember growing up watching Karch Karai. That man mm-hmm. was fantastic. Uh, just really enjoyed watching that sport. Number three is actually the women's volleyball. I don't know what what you call it. It's not beach volleyball. It's in the stadium volleyball, indoors volleyball. Uh, we could just call it volleyball. Okay, so. Uh, the the college women's volleyball tournaments. I like to watch those. Like when you get like seven or eight people all popping up at the same time, and you're trying to figure out which one of them is actually going to hit the ball and stuff. I, I think that's a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of entertainment there. Number two is college football, mm-hmm. um, and I especially like you know I, I this past year I've had season tickets to go watch the Utes, the local team, and cheer for them. It's been a lot of fun. Really enjoy that. And my number one favorite sport to watch is the NFL. I, mm-hmm. you know, some some Sundays it's a toss up between going to church and staying <laughs> home to watch football. <laughs> Luckily, I have a wife and kids who would shame me into going to church. <laughs> uh, if I were on my own, I probably would be missing a lot of church during the autumn and winter year, season. Uh-huh. I, yeah, we call that uh, going to the NFLDS. <laughs> Um, all right, so I, I really don't have that many, and I, maybe I didn't think about this hard enough, but my number five is hockey, but I don't watch hockey. Okay. 
I watch, I've seen hockey played, and I love the violent nature of it, but it's, uh, I, I never watch hockey. Okay. Number four is women's diving. All right. Women's diving, because women bouncing up on, uh, you know, onto uh, a diving board and then into the, the water. Uh, I, I admit I'm a pig. <laughs> so do you do you only like the the ones where they have the bouncy platform, or do you like the like the plat high the s- stiff platform ones? Ah, uh, well? whatever. Okay, there's no no distinction there. Number three, volleyball, specifically women's volleyball. <laughs> um, the 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 guts of these women to just basically wear skin tight outfits, um, or beach volleyball people who are wearing the skimpiest. Yeah. Of bikinis. I don't know who got a hold of that sport to <laughs> essentially force these women to wear this. I, I got to say, well, that's, you know, it's probably some dude who did it. And way to go, dude. <laughs> Thank you from all men everywhere. Um, number two is soccer. Uh, especially the World Cup and the the Premier Leagues over in Europe, not so much the MLS. There's a marked difference. It's why I don't watch college football. College football's crap as far as I'm concerned. Um, number one is football. I absolutely love to watch that. Even, uh, even some of the crappy teams, you know, <laughs> the 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 Jaguars. Um, I. I will still watch it because hey, it's football. football. Yeah, I I love that. It, it's fantastic. Oh, maybe I should have given my number five to uh, the WWE. That's sports entertainment. <laughs> not not specifically a sport. It's sports entertainment. Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna give the WWE my number five. Hockey is a uh, no. It's off the list. It doesn't even get honorable mention now. Okay. And, you know, I agree with you that. Uh about the division between the college football and the NFL, which is why I list them as separate separate sports, because it really is a totally different experience. You're, you're getting a different thing out of it. Uh, I have to say, I have watched a few soccer games with you, and I think with a couple other people here and there. I never enjoyed watching soccer on my own, because most of the time I can't even tell when people are doing well. Yeah. Until the ball goes in the goal, I have no idea, is this what's supposed to happen? <laughs> They just kind of all look like they're milling around, and the ball happens to bounce around every once in a while. So yeah. I need I need someone there who actually understands the sport that can make sounds like, "Oh, hey, that was cool," or you know, and then they go, "Oh, that was kind of cool." Okay, I get it. <laughs> Don't yet have the knowledge of soccer enough in myself to really be able to enjoy it. Yeah, it's very much it's very similar in my opinion to chess because when you get two good teams playing each other, they probe. Very, very much. Yeah. And so when you see something happening, you're like, oh, wow, they just figured something out. Or, you know, but for other people watching it, it would be, I totally get why it's boring <laughs> and awful to watch just because it, nothing is happening a lot of times. Yeah. But for those of us who've played it, we, we understand what they're doing out there. And, uh, it's, it becomes a thing of beauty, which is why it has the nickname, the beautiful game. Okay. Uh, because it, it truly, truly is a beautiful game when, when you're playing it right. Okay. So, uh, Joey's culture corner. Okay. The Joey's culture corner this week is the history of Rome podcast. I think I mentioned this a few podcasts ago that I was listening to it. 
Uh, I am absolutely, I, I am so, I'm enjoying this podcast so much that I'm actually entertaining the idea of starting a second podcast of my own. Um, I was hoping I could maybe get Pete to read it if I write the scripts. The history of Jim Rome? Uh, nope, nope. I was thinking actually the history of important things. And just pick interesting moments in history and like work back to find the origin of that event. And, you know, try to highlight, okay, for example, if you look at the formation of the United States and how our Constitution came about, there's a lot of pieces that fit into that. And a lot of other governments and other events that we looked at to decide how we're going to do some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think you could make a lot of hay out of taking those interesting moments and saying, okay, how did the world get to this point? What inspired these men? It's uh, it's kind of like uh, Freakonomics. Kind a little of, bit, yeah. yeah. You know, if you're you're looking back to, you know, we uh, one of the good uh, comparisons is, you know, our constitution. You know, what what are the things that help make that up? We don't really most Americans don't really understand, you know, how the Magna Carta played a role or right. this or Montesquieu. Or th- how, what what went into it? But there's a huge amount of history that back in you know 1770s, those people knew and they understood, and it, it went into that document. So. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. And yes, I would absolutely read that for you okay. if if that is something you wanted to do. So I, I'm not going to put any timeline on that because <laughs> I am a little bit involved in other projects right now. But I, I'm, I, I've been listening to the History of Rome podcast for, I want to say, about six weeks now. Mm-hmm. And I'm only 40 podcasts in out of, I think he had 180 total podcasts wow. before he finished. And, and so I, I have plenty of time to go, even to just finish up listening and enjoying what he's done and kind of build in my mind what I want to have go from there. Fantastic, yeah. But uh, absolutely gives us a thumbs up. If you, Even if you don't think you're interested in history, check this podcast out because he really makes it entertaining and, and his his whole goal is to summarize and encapsulate the important events of Rome rather than to just give you this dry, boring reading of, of how things go. He also has, uh, you know, I think his, uh, it's very clear that he's reading very much of his podcast. So, you know, I wouldn't call him a great radio personality or anything mm-hmm. like that. But his writing style in and of itself, I think, is entertaining the way he writes. And, you know, you get, you get a chuckle every once in a while out of the way he chooses to word things. Uh, anyway, thumbs up, History of Rome podcast. I'll have put, Pete put a link on the post. Now, uh, who is it done by? Because all you said is the History of Rome podcast. You, you don't he, know he the He calls himself name? Mr. History of Rome. He never refers to himself by name. Really? And in fact, his the the person who started out, he referred to her initially as my research assistant. Or no, my lovely research assistant. Uh, he now refer is referring to as the future Mrs. History of Rome. <laughs> Um, I assume it's on iTunes. Uh, I don't know. I, I found it on TypePad. We, we, we'll put the link up. It may be on iTunes. I, I haven't tried looking. Okay. Moving on to episodes. We are going to cover episodes 7 through 8 of Battlestar Galactica Season 4. And we'll start with episode 7. Guess what's coming to dinner? We see why Kara Thrace is the harbinger of death. <laughs> Uh, um, great episode. It was a good episode. Really enjoyed it. Um, I was looking at my, uh, my ratings and as I was reviewing my notes, I'm like, why did I, why did I go so low on this? So I may be adjusting upwards. Okay. We shall see. 
Um, we begin with uh, Lee and um, uh, President Roslin having this conversation, and he levels a statement at her that says, <laughs> you owe the people a response. It's funny, we both keyed off on that phrase. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, she, she is like, what? Why do I... Uh, no, you. I don't have to do that. <laughs> it's like I like the way you did that. <laughs> really, <laughs> you you don't have to to answer to the people. I, I feel like maybe maybe you have to answer to them, and it it's one of these weird positions where you know the government is. For the people, by the people, whatever that crap goes. <laughs> of the people. I think it's the part you skipped. <laughs> um, there's this idea that it should be fully open, but there's another area to this where we're like, look, I'm pretty sure we have spies in our midst yep, here. State secrets. We've got to keep this stuff quiet and, you know, uh, military, you know, so we're, we don't want to tell, you know, what we're doing militarily. Um, it, where where does that line come? And I suppose at a certain point, there has to be a level of trust at which you have to say, okay, I, they must be keeping the secret for a reason. And I, I, I guess we we kind of have to trust this. The, the people don't like it because they don't like being kept in the dark. Sure. We look at it and we're like, yeah, I totally get why Rosalind doesn't want to be very, very <laughs> open about this. You know, in times past, I think this is why we've had the congressional oversight. Mm-hmm. Because the what we're doing there, I think, what the attempt there is to balance the need for secrecy with the desire to spill some big, cool secret out and therefore ensure your reelection. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh I don't know that it has been in more recent decades the most super successful way of doing things, but you know, I, I can appreciate the sentiment there that they're trying to, you know, we're gonna have some kind of oversight by civilians of you know, this this military organization. I, I like the idea of that, you know, in that, you know, hey, we've got the centralized body which is the military, which is, you know, the president there would be, you know, there could be this other, this oversight body who we we kind of trust, you know, we're like, okay, just tell these people. Okay, if these people are fine with it, then I guess I'm okay with it. I'm right. fine with it too. And, you know. Whether or not you that, trust those people right. is a different question. Sure, and, and it works on paper. You know, everybody could be right. colluding and, and whatnot. But at a certain level, yeah, yeah I guess you kind of have to trust. Or just, you know, go through life believing you're getting screwed. <laughs> that is one possibility. I, I don't trust. <laughs> so I think we all know where I stand. <laughs> um, I think I would trust Roslyn. I think I would. If oh, I'm I would one of those people, um, I I think I would, would trust Roslyn. I think I would be one of those people demanding an, uh, you know, an accounting. <laughs> and I think that I would trust um, Adama as well. Only because... I've made it this far, and I'm still alive. Maybe it's not great working on the Tilium 
um, <laughs> mining ship <laughs> crawler or the waste treatment plant <laughs> but i am still alive yeah I, I think i i think i generally would tend to trust adama more than rosalind mm-hmm. just because he's a career military man and you know he's going to be in there whether we trust him or not whereas rosalind is is milking our emotions and our trust in order to keep herself in power Wow. And, and I wow, you really think that she's doing it just to stay in power. No, I'm saying if I were in that universe, that would be my perception I of what's see. going on. I'm trying I to put see. I'm trying to say, you know, in character so to speak. Okay. So, we cut away and we have the the Cylon base ship and then we have that uh, that other uh ship um that uh, the Hilo is now in control Demetrius. of. Demetrius. Demetrius, thank you. The uh, the plan is okay. We've got to jump together, <laughs> otherwise, you know, we with we'll be in trouble, and you know, the it'll scare the fleet. And my first question was, why do they have to jump together? Right. Why doesn't the Demetrius jump first? Hallelujah! I was not the only one that thought this. <laughs> Soften the landing a little bit. Go up there, give them five minutes. Yeah, and then jump the next ship in. You don't even have to wait five minutes. You you wait here until the Demetrius comes back and says, "Yeah, yeah it's okay. Come on, <laughs> come on with us." <laughs> um, and uh, well, it, what happens uh, is is bad. You know, not such a smooth uh, plan because there's something wrong with the Demetrius. Its FTL doesn't fire. The base ship goes, and everybody in the fleet starts panicking. <laughs> yes. Fairly uh, enough. I mean, that thing landed right in the middle of them. Right in the middle. Um. Anyway, so the Demetrius shows up in the nick of time, and they're like, oh, okay, everybody, it's well, cool. Actually, the Demetrius showed up a little bit late. Uh, it was it was Ty's mm. Cylon-ishness that caused him to say, hold fire, and if not for that, the Demetrius would have been too late. You think it was his Cylon-ness? I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. Um anyway, we're we're all okay. Gata goes into surgery. Yeah. Um and uh let's see here debriefing the Cylons. Yeah, so, so Six is talking to like this tribunal kind uh-huh. of set up here and uh really enjoyed that dynamic of them watching them all try to get you know, they're they're jockeying for a way to trust each other, really. Uh-huh. I think Cylons want to trust the humans. Humans want to trust the Cylons, but there's so much bad blood here. How do we move forward? Uh, I found it interesting that the 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 reason to help that was put forward was vengeance. <laughs> we'll help you get them. Yeah, which seems vengeance never seems like you, that. That seems like a good idea to you emotionally, but like that's <laughs> never gonna work. Well, and more than that, you know, I'm thinking. I thought to myself as she said that. Wait. You have to remember, these people probably do not see a large distinction between this group of Cylons and that group of Cylons. And if what you're doing is stoking their hatred for Cylons, <laughs> seems like a bad plan to me. Especially when you're still a Cylon. Yeah. Um, so, but before we get too much further, okay. I just want there was an interesting encounter when they all come on board the base star and Ty goes up to Starbuck and Starbuck is kind of standing between the soldiers and the six. And she says, they're with me. And and I love Ty's reaction here because, like, before he reacted, I kind of thought what I think he was thinking here, which is, 
Way to overplay your hand, Starbuck. We're not so sure you're not a Cylon. <laughs> so what makes you think I'm not just going to shoot through you and kill them? <laughs> uh, you know, I just thought it was, you know, she she really overplayed the amount of trust that the fleet has in her in that moment. Lucky for everyone, it doesn't end badly quite yet. Yeah. Um. So in that little meeting, it's talked about, you know, they offer, hey... We can get you to the resurrection hub. Yeah. We can destroy this thing, which means no Cylon can ever come back. Once they're dead, they're dead. They're, it's not ever going to be able to, to be resurrected if we take out this resurrection hub, which communicates with all of the resurrection right. It's the ships. central c- computing core of all the things. Very interesting. I hope I'm never in this position where I have to put all my cards on the table at once. I've got nothing left. There's no point in holding back because that that would just be a really tough emotional state to be in mm-hmm. and try to keep yourself together and calm because if you're freaking out, it's not going to sell the moment that you're trying to sell. So you have to keep yourself calm, but at the same time, you have to give everything in order to convince these people to help you. Right. And bravo to Six for, for the job she does here. It was, it was well done for that character. Hmm. Uh, so, Gaeta decides he wants to stay awake through the surgery. Which, I mean, yikes. <laughs> no way in the world would I want to do that. Because you're going to hear them sawing through <laughs> your leg. I... I the. Cottle is right. He's like, are you sure about this, son? Like, <laughs> because really, Cottle should step in here and say, no, we're putting you under. Because the emotional distress yeah, has yeah. got to be huge. I, I can see one reason why Cottle might not have. It, it's probably unlikely that Gata stays conscious for the whole thing anyway. I mean, there's going to be a point in there where the brain just refuses to accept what's going on. It's just going to shut down. I feel. I don't like, think it did, though. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have any. We don't have any evidence one way or the other. <laughs> the the lack of evidence is your proof. <laughs> Good. Okay, that's uh, solid logic. Uh, I'm just saying. I think it would be not saying I want somebody to you know try to chop my leg off, <laughs> but I think I would be tempted to stay awake just because I want to watch as much of it as I can before I just black out. Yeah, th- this is a uh, a procedure we should test. Uh, let's see if this is. Let's find uh, out if it's you're, possible. You're capable of, of staying. Away. I, I think you have a circular saw in your garage, don't you? And <laughs> no. just put enough ice around there; it'll numb it up good. <laughs> I've got a belt. We'll just do a tourniquet. <laughs> oh man, uh, that uh, that seems like an awful plan. Let's not do it. Um, yeah. Anyway, he stays awake through it, and um, it was uncomfortable for me to watch him watch his own leg get cut off. But I just had a, a, a thought. They show the bone saw. Yeah. Um, there is going to be particulate matter uh-huh. in the bone saw. Whose job is it to clean that out? <laughs> is it just some guy, you know, gets a garden hose and just kind of sprays it on down? The, the name of the guy you know, who has got to get some, uh, some <laughs> tweezers <laughs> to pull all the stuff out. Uh, a toothbrush. Actually, (laughs) and the name, the title for that role, at least here in Utah, uh, they they have a a role called a surgical technician, and that is mostly what they do. Okay. I I have a friend who does it, and he makes pretty good money at it. He works, I think, four days a week, 
and he just goes in and he cleans up all the tools before and after surgery and then stands around just as another set of hands in case something happens during the surgery and owns two homes. I mean, the guy gets paid pretty well. A lot of school. Yeah. Doesn't ever actually have to cut anyone, but makes good money at it. Oh, good for him. I would imagine he still had to go through a ton of school. Yes, he did. So it's not as though you just like got some guy and like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I know how to clean stuff. I, I, I can scrub that down for you. You know, because yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of biology and a lot of, you know, it was well, very they, much pre-med kind of career path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to think about the, the residency and all that You're stuff. taking safety in, in, into people's hands because I would imagine some of those tools are going to be reused. Yes. And or at least for yeah, they'll Portions have a life yeah. uh, at some point, but reuse. So you got to make sure those are clean for uh, for this person. That means your butt's on the line. <laughs> got to get someone trustworthy. Um. Okay, I had a quote. Oh, from Ty, slit-eyed black bastards. <laughs> what? Which was like. Is that racism there? I, 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 I suppose it's as close as we've come to racism towards this, <laughs> the Cylons. Yeah. Um, I just, I thought that was fantastic uh, um, to, to give that to the character of, 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 Ty. of Saul Ty. I, I think it's in that same conversation where Ty, the quote I had was, I said we blow the whole God's damn thing to dust, lock, stock, and barrel, and trust in the president's vision. I thought this was very interesting because it's. Did I jump ahead too far? I I don't know. Okay. This, so this is when the four of the four of them. It's Ty, Roslyn, Adama, and uh, Hilo are meeting together, and they make their decision. This is how we're going to handle this. Yes. Yeah, so my my note was keeping your word to your enemy. So yeah, it's, it's, I think that's in okay. the same conversation. Okay. And, and I just thought it was interesting here because it seems to me very much that Ty is more scared of being revealed as a Cylon at this point than he is actually making good tactical recommendations. Uh, especially because he says, oh, I, I trust in the president's vision. When have we ever heard anything like that from Ty, right? He's been pretty negative about the whole idea for a while. You know, I, we haven't heard anything against that. Uh, he's just kept his personal beliefs to himself. <laughs> I'm now just saying, we finally heard it. I'm just saying, I think that that is a load of bull. <laughs> Hey, if the lack of evidence is proof works for you, it works for me too. <laughs> no, that only that door swings only this way. That's one way entrance. But uh, it just seems interesting because I'm like, wow, man, that guy is so scared of being caught out that he's willing to blow this whole chance of an alliance to bits just because he doesn't want to be discovered, which well, is fair. I mean, I can understand that position. Yeah, I mean, let's think about this. My my note was, you know, should you keep your word to your enemy? I mean, they are your enemy. Although I suppose the analogy, my the enemy of my enemy is my friend. If if I got that right, um, like how much do you have to be trustworthy to this other person, this other party? Um, and it calls into question because I am the type who's yay yay nay nay. Be very direct, very explicit. If you say one thing, that's what you do. Sure. Um, but in a personal life, that's great. In a much, in a bigger <laughs> geopolitical range, you have the. Um, there's so much nuance. There's so many other people who are depending on you. There, you know, it's not just your decision. It only affects you. It affects, you know, hundreds, thousands, millions of people. Um, 
how how do you how do you deal with that? Because their their thought is, look, they've given us the coordinates. Let's just go in and boom, done, and blow them up, and we'll take them all prisoner. And the other side is, well, I guess we kind of want there to be a truce between us, and if if this can't happen, then that means you know we're we've run down the path again of more war. Yeah. If if any of them manage to survive. Yeah, I, I really felt that this episode, as much as any episode of television we've ever covered on this podcast, really gets to the heart of the kind of things I look for in television and why I want to think about my television. Because they're really putting us as viewers in this position to say, man, when the chips are really down, do I actually believe what I say I believe? Do I mm. actually do mm-hmm. the things that I'm out there promoting all the time? Because I would say that, you know, generally speaking, if you asked Adama, Admiral Adama, he'd say, I'm an honest guy. I'd totally be honest with everybody all the time. And yet, in this moment, he says, I think that we have, we cannot take this risk. We're going to turn back on our word a little bit and not give them what we said we would give them until our needs have been met. Does that person still have integrity? I'd say there's a level of integrity there, but I would I would say it's limited integrity. It, it's I, I think it's to you know to to which audience you know I I have integrity to the people that I'm responsible for, but everybody else who cares what they think you know I'm okay. I I think the answer is no. They don't have integrity specifically to that group or set gotcha. of people. I can see um, I can see that argument. So I, I you could you could kind of split it that way. Um. I I don't know if I'm in that situation if I don't vote for, yeah, let's screw the enemy over. There has to be a ton of trust in what this enemy is saying to me, this person that I loathe, that represents all of the evil and heartache that I am currently going through, who's decimated my entire race, to say... Okay, sure. Yeah, I'll go along with your plan. That sounds great. I, I hear everything you're saying, and I understand. I'm going to actually take the opposite stance here. I want to say I have been, as much I think probably as anyone who ever watched this show, a Cylon hater. Yeah. I, mean, I hated yes. those things. Oh, yes. I remember season one. Um, and, I, you know, at this point, the the thing that actually, for me, really turned me around was six asking Adama are you a man of your word if you're a man of your word I will tell you these coordinates even though it completely puts me over the barrel yeah and at that point I thought you know what if if the if their word pays out Adama you've got to pony up to you've got to they took that first step as hard as it would have been to take she took that first step into trusting humanity we have got to reciprocate and take a step towards them Mm. So I, I think that you know, even even though there is some distance to it, it's a TV show. I, I really think that I can say I would have been I, where where I think Hilo is based on his facial expressions. He doesn't actually speak up, but based on his facial expressions, this this attitude of no, we should do exactly what we said we should do, we would do, and deal straight with these guys. Hmm. Yeah, Hilo's the the odd one in the group because I mean he got on board with the Cylons. Yeah. Sort of, um, but still, he's he's with the Cylons, even if his Cylon wife hates the other Cylons. <laughs> um, so I, I I love Hilo, 
don't know when it comes down to the Cylon issue, you know, what I think of him as a person, you know, in that room. I I think he is, uh, my, my read on him is that he's very much, it's clear he's very pro fleet. Yeah. He's very much pro humans, pro the fleet. I don't think he's ever going to turn them over, but it's still, you got to look sideways at the guy. I, I I just think he's one of those guys that he can be, man, this is going to, I can't think of any other way to say this. I just got to say it honest to a fault, right? He He's, he's so honest that sometimes it can lead him to doing things that are really, really terrible just because, Hey, that's the honest and the right thing to do. Hmm. I said it's not a great uh, way to say. It. You, you, do you understand the, the thing I'm going for there? I, I think so, but I mean that—that's. We could say the same of Adama, Roslin, uh, Starbuck. See, I don't Apollo. know. I, 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 I look, I look I, they're honest to a fault based on their choice of what's right and wrong. I, I think, it's. I think it's. Okay. Uh, it, uh, what I'm trying to say. I think it's too subjective. I see. I, I think Hilo goes on too much of a black and white worldview, and too too absolute, where he's not taking into uh, into factor some of those other things that Adama and Rosalind do take in, and and that's for me what makes him different. What makes him hard for me to really trust him in anything because. He may all of a sudden get his moral dander up, and he's you know he he's not that far off of Lee who <laughs> you know hey if I don't if I decide something's wrong I'm I'm ready to mutiny at any second here just because I think it's wrong. Okay, um, let's see here. My next note was that is a magical pantsuit of Tori's. <laughs> It seems like she is wearing that all the time. Okay. And it always looks fantastic on her. Maybe it's just a uniform. <laughs> it's not a uniform. She does wear other things. But she, sometimes people wearing uniforms wear other things. Maybe maybe she has three or four of the exact same pantsuit. <laughs> it's it's the uniform of the no, chief of staff. Not the, <laughs> then why didn't Billy wear it? <laughs> The unitard of the chief of staff. <laughs> and where where would this uh, this uniform come from anyway? It's just been sitting in a closet. It's like, oh yeah, I know what to do with this. We'll give it to the chief of staff. Look, we we found we found a whole bunch of copies of the same clothing, Mrs. President, Madam President. We think you should make this the official costume of the chief of staff. I I kind of wish. Like there's a wear and tear that that comes to close. And I kind of wish that the, it, we would show that more in the fleet. That the sure. it's getting more threadbare as time goes on. And granted, I guess it's really only been a year, maybe two. So there's not going to be that much wear and tear. It's been more than that, hasn't it? Uh uh-uh. uh. Okay. No. The longest amount of time is when they were living on the planet. Right. And that the, was a that, full year, wasn't that it? That whole invasion stuff. I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, okay. So I thought it was nine months to New Caprica, and then they lived on New Caprica for a full year. But I could be wrong about that. But but that brings us to only about a couple of years. Okay. Because if you remember, we we haven't there hasn't been a huge amount of time, uh, between season three. Okay. And there there was no like drop off like oh okay, eight months later you know between three and four it just like picked up right, did, right it away. did pick up right away yeah so I uh there there's no 
Um, I see your point. There's no market that's producing more clothes. Yeah, I, I certainly don't have a whole lot of clothes that are more than three or four years old. So. Yeah, and plus, like, the military people. I mean, they... They're working much harder, or the people on the Tilium, there's you know a lot more wear and tear. I well, guess we no, saw it We did there. see that. Yeah. We did, yeah. There, it was grungy, grimy. Ha- holes and patches. and yeah. Right, right. Okay, um, let's see here. Quote, you're a charter member of his nymph squad. <laughs> referring to the, the president referring to Tori. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, because my wife and I, neither one of us heard the word nymph. What uh, did you hear? <laughs> we both heard nipple. <laughs> nipple. <laughs> no. I, I, I looked at my wife and said, did she just call him part of his nipple squad? And my wife said, I think she did. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and then, I, I wasn't uh, quite sure what a nipple squad was. She, she basically calls Tori out for, you know, she's like, hey, you get me this information yeah. and you do it praying on your knees or doing something else on your knees. But you get that information. I'm done dealing with you. Which is like, wow, this is not the nice school teacher that I remember from season one who was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> no, nope, she's fully in control. Yeah. She knows what she's doing now. Um, okay, we finally get to the singing Gata. Because the uh, surgery's over. I think someone's mentioned... Hold on, you, you jumped a couple things there. Probably. Uh, the the biggest one I wanted to talk about was uh, Zarek knows what happened in this little meeting where there were only four people, and they all said, this cannot leave this room. It was Rosalind, Adama, Hilo, and Ty where they decided what they were going to do. And Zarek is actually telling the Quorum of the Twelve the whole plan. What? Yeah, when he when he starts reading, if you listen to what Zarek's reading to the Quorum of the Twelve, he's like, uh, "We you know we made this alliance with the uh, with the you know he talks about the Civil War, right? Which okay, a lot of people knew about that and how we're going to make an alliance with them. And then he starts to read, and we're not going to give them the final five until we get to earth yada 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 or something like that i can't remember exactly how he phrases it but what he says in there i don't know if it was a mess up in the script or if there's supposed to be a leak among those four people i have no idea what you're referring to you don't remember zarek standing there and reading and every like and they nothing that was specific to what was happening oh yeah in that closed door meeting i i i felt that there was something so maybe i I'm wrong, but I thought there was something there. Yeah, without, without the actual uh, script of the words, uh, I I don't remember okay. anything uh, anything like that. The other thing I wanted to cover is before we get into actually ever hearing Gata sing, we have Anders uh-huh. freaking out over. I mean, he can't get past what he did at this point. Uh, he is just off the rails, and he mentions that Gata is doing the singing. Yeah, he's upset, and rightly so. Uh, you know, where the other three are all worried about, you know, what's going to happen if we resurrect this number three? Anders could care less at this point. He's upset about what he did to Gata. Um, so Gata is is there in the, the hospital wing, and it's it's introduced to us that he is singing as a way to kind of take his mind off of this phantom pain or this phantom... Uh, nature of this missing leg, um, and he's singing quite loudly. Yeah. And 
no one's saying anything to him. I I suppose at the beginning it's probably okay, but after a while someone's going to say, "All right, dude, you lost your leg. Can you shut up now?" <laughs> I, Some of us are dying from cancer. <laughs> <laughs> um but it, this is his coping mechanism. It's uh I like the idea that this is his coping mechanism and he's got a great voice and it's an awesome backdrop to what the other conversation that's yeah. happening right there, I I thought that was a fabulous scene. Um, I I loved listening to it. it. It actually that first time that they show it is the only time in the episode I didn't find it really disturbing. Uh, all the other times that they cut back to Gaeta singing to himself, I was just like, oh man, I wish they'd stop showing that. Oh, I I continued to love it because okay. it showed the pain that this man is dealing with. Okay, um, which is. Um, it, it's tough because the, I have no concept of what that might be. Mm. And I, I like to think of myself as Gaeta because, you know, he's the guy who just quiet guy, just helping out, just doing whatever he's told. It's like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm backing up Admiral Adama. I've got his back at all times and, you know, everybody trusts him. He's a great worker. It's like how I like to see myself. Okay. And so... I resonate very, very much with uh, with that scene. Okay. Now we see uh, the Cylon six is talking to the eight and the and the Leoban. I can't remember what number he is. Is he two? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, and they're talking about whether or not they should trust the humans, you know, or should we hold back something mm-hmm. of what we promised? And Leoban says trust has to begin somewhere. And six responds, "Yes, but not with us." Yeah. That, to me, is the entire story of Battlestar Galactica, at least to date, mm-hmm. in a nutshell. I just thought that was a great way to sum up the whole story arc that we've seen so far is, yeah, you know, neither one of us really wants this outcome, but neither group can find it in themselves to be the one who starts down that path of trust yeah they they kind of split that scene a couple of times because it's like oh we're we're not we're gonna trust him no we're not gonna trust him. no we're gonna trust him um and at one of those times uh six says to live meaningful lives we must die yeah that's actually that's what six says to the quorum of 12 when they bring her in to the quorum of 12 to because like do uh, they bring her in a second time no so no this is this is very much after the quorum of the twelve meeting, then, where she says to live oh, meaningful to lives the, to the. Sorry, I was uh, I got confused with the initial meeting. Yeah, the initial thing thought was Leoban and that. the eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the meeting where she says to live meaningful lives. That's the quorum of twelve, and the, I actually had to read the rest of the quote because I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Uh, to live meaningful lives, we must die and not return. The one human flaw, the one you spend your lifetimes distressing over, mortality. Is the one thing, well, it's the one thing that makes you whole. Mm. It's a, a great line. Yeah, um, I like that because it, you know, there's a finality. There's, uh, you know, there's a time that it all ends, and you know, what have you done with yourself? Yeah, what what have you managed to turn yourself into? It gives it gives some urgency to do something useful with your life. Uh, Tori is very good at manipulation. Yeah. Manages uh, to uh, manipulate Gaius there a little bit. Um, Rosalind sees Gaius 
in the dream. She finally visualizes Gaius Baltar in there, and it freaks her out a little bit because I think she's seeing these dreams as this is a vision from God. Yeah. And, you know, why am I having this vision with other Cylons? And holy crap, why is Gaius Baltar in this? Wasn't he in it? Didn't she see him in it before in the previous time that she had this dream? We've seen him there in the opera house. She has not. I'm saying she's had this dream before, right? This yes. exact dream. And we saw... No, not this exact this dream. This exact dream where her and and yes. Athena see each other and but they're chasing Hera. Gaius and Baltar. Six comes over and picks her up and then the, we see Gaius Baltar turn. We didn't see that before? No. Okay. We have seen this before. How did we see Roslyn it? Roslyn who, who was seeing not. it when we saw it before? Because we've seen Gaius in the, in the opera house before. Okay. I'm 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 thinking of there was a time when Rosalind has not Hera is, Athena and Rosalind were all in the medical center at the same time and they were all having the same dream and Athena and they all woke up and screamed at the same time and Cottle came out and he made some comment about what are y'all doing and, and I swear that she saw Gaius Baltard that same turn and you see the side of Gaius's face in that scene no okay. This is the the realization, which is why things change for Gaius and Roslyn. Um, which, by the way, when uh, when the kid wakes, uh, when uh, what's her name wakes <laughs> up, and her kid says bye bye, <laughs> super creepy. I, I I had creepy three times. <laughs> I, I don't know if your kid has ever done that to you. It's never happened to me before, but I think I would absolutely flip out. If my kid wakes, you know, I wake up and my kid is like standing right there and they say something like, bye bye. Uh, they've never done anything. It was like the delivery that made it so creepy. Like my kids have woken me up before. My daughter likes to climb up on the bed and put her face right in front of mine and then sit there and wait until I wake up. But she's got a smile on her face and I can tell she's being silly. Right. It, it's the deadpan, bye bye, mommy. <laughs> It's also the fact that your daughter is trying to wake you up. This kid was just sitting there. Yeah, that's true. Staring at you. Uh, that freaks me. Um, so Rosalind talks to Gaius um, and is is going to include him uh, on this. Uh, Hera is drawing sixes, literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Both the number and the person. Yep. And then uh, there's a searching of the opera house um, and let God's will be done. I can't remember who says that. Let yeah, God's will be done. And then the next quote I have after that is shut up. So I don't know if that's uh, Gaius saying that, let God's will be done, and someone telling Gaius to shut, shut up. up. Seems yeah, like that know. would fit, but I don't remember. I just know at the time I really enjoyed it enough. I have a note that I don't remember what I what it means. Compare Gaius to Julius Caesar. I know it had something to do with what I've learned about Julius Caesar in the history of Rome podcast. I don't remember the specific attribute that I wanted to do a comparison on. But I don't know either. Each of you can now ponder to yourselves. <laughs> compare Gaius to Caesar. So Athena's uh, kid Hera is you know she's left the the building she's wandering around through the the ship um and she finally makes her way to six and his six is he heavily under guard 
But she comes up to Hera and uh, Six is talking to her. And then Athena shows up and says, get away from her. You cannot take her. She is mine. Pulls her gun out. Yes. And kind of goes cuckoo bird <laughs> and shoots her dead. Yeah. So when she pulled her gun out, I, I just I, I almost started climbing the couch going, no, please not <laughs> hurt. Like kill someone else. Don't kill her because this six has just come around. She's just come around to saying, you know what? I was wrong. We need to give the you know the humans what they need. We need to we need to be the ones to take that first step. Yeah, it's like she's the rational one, right? Yeah, and so of course we have to kill her. <laughs> Can't have that. Yeah, I was I was just like I'm like almost screaming at him. I was just I just was sitting there going, please don't kill her, please don't kill her, put the gun away, please, please don't kill her. Oh, geez, she did it. Oh my gosh, things are going down the tubes now. So uh, Rosalind has taken uh, Gaius over to the the ship because her whole intent is, look, I've got to talk to the hybrid. The hybrid's talked to you. The hybrid said these things to to you, Starbuck. I, I want to get over there to the hybrid and talk to her. Let's plug her back in. Yeah, so I, I, in my mind, there's a correlation here between Kara Thrace going to talk to Rosalind and telling her, hey, here's what the hybrid said, the dying leader will come to know the truth of the opera house. Mm-hmm. And then Rosalind deciding, okay, I'm going to take Gaius Baltar. We're going to go to this other ship. And then the dream, what's the term I want to look for? Um, Athena having that weird moment where she can't tell the difference between the dream and reality, right? Uh-huh. She's, she's, I don't know if hallucination is the right term. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, well, she, she's a she's Cylon, so there's confused. projection, right? That's what yeah, Cylons do. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. But she's clearly confused about the difference between her dream and reality for a little while there. Yes. I, I feel like this all correlates to the fact that Kara Thrace went to the sickbay and made this comment to Rosalind. I think that these events are all related and the death of the six at the hands of Athena is caused by Kara Thrace making this comment to Rosalind. And I think that that bears out, Kara Thrace, you are the harbinger of death. Mm-hmm. And you will lead them all to their end. Mm. Um, I love the scene with the hybrid. Because they have an expectation that the hybrid is going to come back online. They're going to be able to get some more information. Fine and dandy, but no. Plug her back in. Jump. Jump! Oh my gosh! That was pretty cool. Oh, so amazing to to see the... I guess it's not called... Is it panic in, in the hybrid? <laughs> I don't know what that expression is. But this, you know, this shot of adrenaline that goes through and the response and all of a sudden, <laughs> the ship is gone. Yeah. And, oh crap, what is this going to mean? <laughs> Uh, hugely amazing uh, for me to watch. Um, those are the rest of my notes. So I, I don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to bring up. Nope, I'm good. Okay, uh, let's go to listener M, who says, "Hey, dudes, I almost decided to call the voicemail this week, but I have time to write and email. I forgot to bring this up in previous weeks." But is it true that Pete finally has a mobile phone? Yeah. How did this happen? Work. Yeah, my boss. <laughs> I appreciated Pete's long-term policy of not being a slave to the zeitgeist and giving in to peer pressure. 
Is the Facebook group rejoicing now that Pete can be contacted when he is out and about? How does he like being able to send messages to friends and family when he is out and about town? Um, yeah, when I posted up to Facebook, I had um, a huge amount of, of friends um, who who commented and, and liked the the post um and it i mean it's it's a cell phones are amazing tools um they allow you to do a lot of amazing things so yeah it's it's been useful i've i've looked things up i've taken phone calls in my car <laughs> um you know it uh i used to, i was used to joke around with people um, when I'd call like a, a a nephew or a niece or something, I'd say, "I uh, I'm I'm calling you," and I'd talk re- really loud from my car, <laughs> and I kept saying it over and over again, hoping that they would just get annoyed. They didn't. I was I thought it was weird, but anyway, um, I still laughed at it. Um, yeah. So there you go. I hope that uh, answers uh, your questions, Mark. You messed up the titles in the email that you sent out today. The episode is called Guess What's Coming to Dinner. Yep. And I wrote Guess Who's Coming to uh, Dinner, okay. which is um, a uh, great uh, movie, uh, Sidney Poitier and somebody else. Yeah. I don't remember who else. A white girl. <laughs> no, I feel like uh, it was like Archie Bunker or somebody like that. The, the father. I don't know who the father is. Um, I wonder what you both think about the big plot hole this episode. Wouldn't the Cylons want to have a backup hub? Or at least a way to build a new one? It is pretty cool that they built a way to hide it with the constant jumps. But if they build it once, they should be able to rebuild it. Who knew that Gaeta was such a good singer? TV 8, Sci-Fi 8. Um, Great point. I had not noticed that plot hole. And I think you're absolutely right. They built it once, they can build it again. Totally agree with you on that, Mark. Joey's lost in thought now. Unless they didn't build it. Unless they didn't build it. We don't have any information on how the Cylons were able to take this evolutionary leap and go from the hybrids to the fully flesh, fleshy Cylon model, right? The the skin jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if there... I, I still feel like there's a third party on this show that has yet to be revealed. Uh, and I'm wondering now... You haven't mentioned what, the third party for a while. Yeah, it's, it's still there, but we just don't... I mean, I feel uh, there are certain things where I'm just like, Wow, this makes so much more sense if there is a third party and we just don't know who or what it is yet. And maybe it comes in at the very last episode and there's the big reveal. Oh, hey, <laughs> here's the third party that's been manipulating both of you all these centuries. But uh, I'm wondering if the Cylons don't actually even understand this resurrection technology. Hmm. That is interesting. That would make perfect sense on why they can't rebuild the ship. Yeah. I tend to think it's a, it's literally a plot, plot hole. hole. Okay. It's, it's it's in the same realm as why do they have to jump together? Oh, right, to set up this really intense scene okay. that you've written in here. Uh, let's not use logic to you know <laughs> tell a real story. Uh, okay, ratings. 
Okay, science fiction, I give this an 8. Okay, um, I'm going to give this an 8 as well. The 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 hybrid um, is so cool when it gets turned <laughs> on. It gets like a full like three point bump just for that. And, and you have the you know the the thing with Athena and her daughter, um, the all the conflict in this show in this episode. Uh, I, for t- television, I'm also giving it an eight. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the discussion of the podcast, this as much as anything we've ever covered is exactly the kind of thing I want for this podcast. It's a it's an episode that really makes you ask some hard questions and yet is still entertaining at the same time. I'm I enjoy, I love it. Only going to give it a 7 because um the the plot holes that was pointed out by Mark and, you know, the the beginning yeah. um and then there are some things just like eh, it's it's okay. Um it it does get a huge bump because of Gaeta. I I felt like they played the emotion well through that. Um I I really really enjoyed his singing. Moving on to our next episode, Sine Conon. Athena ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> or did she make it all better? No, she ruined it. <laughs> Pretty clear. <laughs> she even gets Adama to step down, man. That's hardcore. <laughs> okay, so we begin right after um, the, the last episode, and everything's in upheaval. <laughs> The, the Cylon base ship is gone. Six has been shot. She's now in surgery. Oh, dang, she didn't make it through surgery. She's dead. Yeah, I want to go back to last podcast where I talked about the uh, the desire of Cylons as they're dying, skin job Cylons as they're dying to have physical contact. We see it again here. The Six reaches out for Coddle. To, to touch her hand. Does she reach out for Coddle, or is she reaching out and Coddle takes her hand? I think she reached out for physical <laughs> contact. She didn't care who was at the other end of the contact. She wanted that contact. Uh, let me give you a different spin on this. Okay. She's we've, reaching for the sun as she's projecting. We, we had, you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. The person is just reaching out for this. They're not seeing whoever else is around them. Coddle then takes her hand. That's the way I see it because uh, that's just the way I see it. Yeah, I, I, right. I haven't died. <laughs> Don't know. So uh, yeah. I'll, I'll write you a letter and let you know. <laughs> Build me a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a cultural reference. It's yep. not going to make much You sense guys to have people. no idea how awesome that was. <laughs> well, I guess Mark might, and John probably does as well. Um, so, and to make matters worse, Zarek is now in charge because <laughs> President Rosslyn's gone. Yeah. And so constitutionally, he is now in charge and, uh, Adama just ignores him. He's like, nope, nope. Talk to the hand. <laughs> I am not dealing with you. Yeah. No way am I going to legitimize your reign Presidency. as president, uh, by talking to you. Yep. Uh, which which will I mean that's filtering all through this the this one of the main plot points of this episode, um, but um, uh, Adama then tells you know hey go get her get her into my office right now and that's Athena so he brings her in there and he is livid uh, with her it's like what did you do what why do you hate your race so much 
you know, that you have to do this. And she's now visibly upset. I mean, this is this is like your dad, you yeah. know, yelling at you, you know, your favorite daughter here. I guess probably second favorite. I, I assume Starbuck is still the favorite daughter. Uh, <laughs> but he still is. This person he really, really cares about just shot them in the foot. Is that too... Shot them in the throat? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, bad things are happening. Uh, the quorum starts acting like headless chickens. What I imagine is actually Congress, uh, because they're just like, oh, what is going on? I have to know right away. I I can't possibly go another minute without having some information. I can't just sit patiently. I have to react irrationally. Oh, my gosh, that was so frustrating to watch. Yeah, it it was especially frustrating for me because it seems a lot like a lot of Utah (laughs) County Republican Party meetings that I've been to. And they're not even going through, like, potentially race-wiping out events. (laughs) But, uh, you know, my biggest problem with this scene is Lee answering the question. He should refuse to entertain that question. Which question? Let me address this to to Mr. Adama here then. Do you think your father is going to give up control to President Zarek? He should say, I'm not going to speculate about that. Why don't you go talk to my dad if you want to know what he thinks? There is no (laughs) win in answering that question. He can only make things worse. Whether he answers it yes or no doesn't matter. Answering the question can only make this situation worse. When has it ever been Lee's decision to, (laughs) oh, let's keep the status quo here. Let's let's keep things even. Let's not rock the boat. Um, so Apollo decides that he's going to go back to Badger, um, to help find a replacement (laughs) for Zarek. Um, oh, and, uh, oh, my friend John Madsen just came home and, uh, Laren. Hey, how you doing, Laren? Nice to see you. Good to meet you, Laren. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording right now. Um, he went back to Lampkin. Good, Good idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. I think this is a ridiculous idea from a writing standpoint. This is just a way of shoehorning in a favorite character. Grant you, a decent actor, but still, why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no one else that Lee trusts to you know seek counsel from. I guess. I I don't know. I, I had a hard time with that. Seems weird. Seems good. I'm glad you felt the same. Uh, we get a raptor-to-raptor spacewalk. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, it totally makes sense that they could do that, and I'm glad that they actually showed it. She used an EVA of some sort, didn't she? Like a jet pack or something to cross the distance? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, I didn't okay. see anything okay. spraying out. I think she just parked jumped. herself close and jumped over. Okay. Swam through space. I think you can do that. <laughs> There's enough dark matter to really grip a hold. Dark matter. I wear my dark matter gloves, so I can, you know... Dip Manip- into manipulate it. it. <laughs> that would be awesome if that were the case. If we could ever figure out what dark matter is um, and then find a way to manipulate it in that regard, that would that would change physics <laughs> in dramatic ways. I, I, I think you'd have to change physics in dramatic ways a few times just to get there. But <laughs> I, I grant you, sure. Um, okay, so w- one of the things that... Uh, I listen to um, Star Talk Radio. Okay. 
and occasionally they talk about space stuff, like actual like uh, trips to the ISS, um, and they have astronauts on there. And at one point they mentioned, yeah, on the ISS, uh, they were talking about holes within the movie Gravity, and one of them was the fact that the the latches opened out. And they talked about how, no, that's not really true. The latches open in because we use air pressure to keep them closed. Shut. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, I'm sure there's additional things to help clamp them down in place. But, like, the whole idea is you, you don't want to have the air pressure pushing the door, which is going to fly out. That I mean, that's that's going to be a lot of work. So, yeah. Anyway... The way that they have the the raptor, see you guys. Bye. Um, it the 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 flap opens out, which would mean, I, I guess maybe if there's some sort of magnetic lock that's you know keeping sure. it down yeah. there in place. I don't know how you would get it in that case to to you know have the pressure keep the thing closed. In, in that regard, I, I guess. I learned something real about space. I'm seeing it portrayed in a different way, but and I now guess... now you want to apply the same it, principle. Yeah, I do, but I don't know that you could. Like, I, that door has to open outwards like that because there's not a lot of room for it to open inward. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, no, just, just throwing that out there. Um, okay. So, we have um, Adama... Um, uh, jumps away without telling anyone. Uh, the Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah. Like, does, does your dad have somewhere to be right now? <laughs> yeah, the, the ship is turning away, and then blink, it, it's gone. It's like, whoa, why is this happening right now? But uh, uh, didn't they jump away? Oh yeah, they find the debris. So they yeah. jump to the coordinates, and they find this debris, and there is vipers. Um. And they find Cylon debris. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he Parts thinks... Parts of a base star. You know, there, there's two thoughts then. Oh, okay, they got the hub. They destroyed it. Um, and the other, I think, is Saul Tai who's saying, what are you talking about, man? The the Cylon ship, that that's gone. That's what was there. It's destroyed now. These people are gone. They're hey. all dead. Um, why didn't Roslyn take more of Hera's blood? I don't know why I have this note here where I do, because I don't think Rosalind's even in this episode. Yes, she is. Is she? Oh, no, she's not. No, I don't think right. she you're is. Right. Right. There was the end of the previous episode was the last time we saw her. And it seems to me like Hera's blood was this magical cure-all that, <laughs> that fixed her last time. Why didn't they just give that to her? A second time? Yeah. Maybe they did and it didn't work. Maybe it's a one-time <laughs> cure. You got one shot. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, <laughs> there's no evidence of it, so it must be true. It must be. Yeah, it must be true. Uh, I thought it was really interesting that uh, when when Adama sends Ty down to talk to the six to find out uh, anything about the resurrection hub, Ty reveals Adama's feelings for Rosalind to the six. Okay. Seems like that could be important later on. Yeah, uh, but I I think it's clear that Ty has been making really poor decisions as yeah. it comes to this. Holy six. cow! 
Yes. So the next part is <laughs> Adama calls in Ty and says, "Hey, I was talking to Doc Cottle, who was, uh, you know, giving a physical, and uh, turns out she's pregnant." Yeah. What in the world have you been doing down there, Ty? And of course, that, that erupts into a a fight between the two of them. They they beat each other senseless, and you know they get it out of their system, and you know still best friends afterwards. So that uh, hooray for them. Um, I hope I hope someday you and I can <laughs> be best friends again after beating the living tar out of each other as old men. <laughs> I, you know, Joey, I don't ever envision a day where we get into an actual fist fight <laughs> because I feel I'm going to lose that battle. <laughs> I I got speed on you. I can get around all sorts of places, but I've it's like my dad used to say: you may have youth and you know experience or speed on your side, but don't let me get a hold of you. <laughs> Once I get a hold of you, you are done, boy. Uh, so I feel like that would be the same, you know, the, the size of your hand and your fist <laughs> compared to mine. I'm, I'm really There's just, some meat there is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm really just a frail kind of guy. You, you'll, you'll cripple me pretty quick. Um, I had a quote here that I don't remember where it's from, uh, where he's, uh, someone says, I'm not asking. Yeah. It's, uh, so Adama is telling Starbuck what he wants her to do. As far as using more units to to do the search and less to patrol with the cap. Oh, right, she's right, like, right, right. You right. know, you're asking me. He said, I think it was like he said he wants four Raptors to stay behind. They're all going to leap back to be with the protective fleet. We're going to leave four Raptors here to continue the search. She's like, you're, you're these people are going to feel like you're asking them to commit suicide. And the telling part was that you're asking them to commit suicide. And he said. I'm not asking. Not I'm not asking them to commit suicide, but I'm not asking. <laughs> I'm ordering them to commit suicide. <laughs> I'm not sure you get how this military thing works. <laughs> I tell you what to do, you do it. Um, okay, good. I'm glad you remembered that. Um, in the end, Adama kind of comes to his uh, uh, better... <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he decides he's going to relinquish command of Battlestar Galactica. He no longer has emotional distance. Yeah. Whether he ever had that or not is debatable. And we get probably one of the weirdest scenes in Battlestar Galactica, which is Badger and Lee. Yeah. As Badger pulls a gun on Lee to say, hey, you're really actually the guy that needs to be president, but I'm not going to let that happen. Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm really just doing this to try and trick you into realizing you're the right person for this job. And Lee then goes oh. into his bag and is like, hey, where's your cat at? Oh, gross. This has been dead for several weeks. Why are you carrying a dead cat around? Interesting. I didn't get the whole thing of he was trying to force Lee into the self-realization. Mm -hmm. I, I see now What What other way could that. it possibly be? Well, because the way I interpreted it uh, is Lampkin has no hope and it makes him angry at the idea that there could be someone that offers the fleet hope because when you're the only guy without hope that's a dangerous thing right mm. you don't want to see hope sparked in other people you want them all as miserable as you are therefore i have to kill you lee before you can reinvigorate this whole fleet 
that could just as easily be yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a reason for that. I, I don't know what it is. I don't either. I, I like your explanation. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think I like yours more because it then shows like the fact that he's carrying around this the dead, dead cat. cat. <laughs> um, you know, as though like he hated this cat, but this is the only thing he had. Um, still really bizarre. I don't know. Did you like that scene? Were you okay with it? I was okay with it. Uh, but only because I took it as, boy, this Lampkin guy, man, he's in a dark place right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lee becomes president. And my first question was, how is everyone okay with this? Because what you've basically got is Admiral Adama in charge of Battlestar Military. Galactica. And now Admiral's little baby boy is now in charge of everybody. Seems like we just had a military coup happen here. I, I think the reason everybody's okay with it is because the split between the Adamas has been so public and so ugly. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I follow that. Um, but it still seems like this is just bizarre. It, it is. It would be unlikely of a scenario to ever have it happen and have people be okay with it. But I think in this case, the characters have publicly diverged enough that I think I think it makes sense that the audience that the the public is okay with the split. They kind of see Lee as right, keeping right. In I, check. I, I get. I totally get that. I suppose I just kind of kind of realize. I suppose it's the rest of the quorum who looks at Lee and they're like, "Yeah, okay, we we can totally trust Lee." I, which would mean you know, I I can go back to my constituents and then I explain can this. this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess I, I guess I can kind of. I still don't like it. I think it's dumb, but whatever. You know, in the conversations with... Oh, no, it's it's when Lampkin is talking to uh, Admiral Adama. He's trying to get him to sign some paperwork. Uh, and he had a great line. He says, I think I got it right. It was uh, one of the less ennobling aspects of a legal culture. No one wants to claim responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, so Admiral Adama is stepping down. <laughs> Ty is put in charge of Battlestar Galactica. And he says the, the great thing. He's like, are you sure about this? Last time we did this, I didn't do so well. <laughs> um, and he's like, no, this is, this is it. You're, you're going to do fine, Ty. Don't worry. I, I think we actually in this episode see the actor who portrays Saul Ty's most successful moment as an actor. As hmm. He's got his back turned to Bill, and Bill is telling him about, you're not the same man that I served with. You're not even the same man who left Caprica. You've learned a lot about yourself. And he makes this facial expression. It has to be one of the funniest things I have ever seen someone do with their face. Yeah. It was great. I mean, Adama has just unknowingly given control of the fleet to, to the Cylons. The Cylons. <laughs> but just, he gives this like... <laughs> it was classic. So uh, Adama is going to stay behind. Uh, he's going to sit and wait for the president to come back. And you know, he's not going to ask anybody else to go on the suicide mission. He's just going to sit there. And he's going to read this burned up book that the president was reading. It's and- It's his favorite book. He's going to finish it. Oh, okay. Sure. It's this one that he's never finished, and he's going to finish it now. Yeah, I'm still not sure I believe that because <laughs> of you know a previous yeah, episode. Yeah. But still, uh, he's going to sit there. He's going to wait. He's not going to ask anybody else to do this. This is 
his his choice, but I love that everyone's still saluting him <laughs> as though he is the leader, even though he's already stepped yeah, down. Yeah. Uh I I liked that his last order, the last official order was to give Athena back her daughter. Yeah, that was that was kinda nice. That was a nice touch. And uh just wanna say it, if I've not said it before in this podcast, dogs are way worse than cats. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because Lee takes over and he gives there's Lampkin this dog, dog. that uh, gives it over to Lampkin. Um, I I guess hey, there's still hope, Lampkin. Here's this the thing you have now have to take care of again. What do you hear, Starbuck? Nothing but the rain, sir. Then grab your gun and bring in the cat. Still love that. Yeah, still so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Any other notes? No, that's it. Okay, I'm going to read uh, the last email here from Mark. He says, One of the great things about television is the ability to educate the viewers. In this episode, episode we all learn a little Latin, without which not. Uh, Admiral Adama proves that love will lead to irrational actions. Wouldn't it be better to meet with Zarek and receive counsel from the civilian leader? It doesn't do anybody any good to keep searching for the president without acknowledging that there should be an interim government in place while the search continues. The interim president, Glenn Allen Walken, did a fantastic job in the West Wing. Adama was just crazy for not meeting with Zarek. Totally right. Okay. I, he sums it up perfectly, I think. He continues. So it turns out that Virtual Six was not referring to Hera when she told Baltar that, quote, their child will be born in the brig of Galactica. Six will give birth to the first fully Cylon baby. I wonder what this means about the final five. Okay. TV six, sci-fi seven. <laughs> well, this podcast is awesome. Try to stay warm in this freezing weather. Uh, I'm not as successful at that as I would like to be. <laughs> I'm not convinced it is Ty's baby. Really? Really. Uh, I Interesting. Think per- I think perhaps Baltar has been to see the six. Really? I don't think Cylons can mate. Hmm. That's an interesting theory. So, I, I like the, the dumbfoundedness of, of Ty, I interpreted as Ty being stunned by the news but unwilling to deny it because which it, means he's been getting jiggy with six. No, no, no. I'm saying I, I, I consider, I strongly consider, and I'm still not sure one way or the other, the possibility that Ty never had sex with six. He's mystified it to, as to how she got pregnant, but he's willing to accept that shame, so to speak, yeah, because on. it makes him more human. He never denies it, though. He doesn't. I think he. I think it makes him more human that he's getting it on with some prisoner. <laughs> this is the base human reaction. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna get with her. <laughs> um, I, I, the fact that he never denies it is is evidence. I disagree that he was a part of that. We've seen nothing of. Gaius Baltar being able to to make a visit to this. We we person. have evidence that Gaius Baltar has talked to her. He says so to, to to Tori in the previous episode. He talked about how 
that was through Lampkin, though. That message was passed. I don't think he said it was through Lampkin. I think he said, she told me. I could be wrong. It's happened before. It's more likely that it's Saul Ty. Yeah, could be. Um, Okay, anything else from you? No. Okay, rating for science fiction. For me? Yeah. It's your turn to go first, sir. Well, you messed up (laughs) on the first episode by saying yours, so I'm just getting us back on track. I see. Uh, Six. Didn't feel there's a lot of science fiction aspects to this one. Agreed. Uh, I like the Cylon baby um, (laughs) aspect of this. You know, six has gotten pregnant, but I'm only going to give this a five. This is like, this is average. Okay. I I was not thrilled by it. For television, I gave this a seven. I I thought it was a, a pretty fun episode. Uh, again, because of the Lampkin scene, because I interpreted that as, man, this guy is dark. Mm. Uh, it was, it didn't throw me off as much from the episode as maybe it did for other people. It was way too scattered. I, I, I enjoyed certain aspects of it. I did laugh, uh, but I can only give this a five and it's, you know, there, there's holes all over the place. I, I just don't buy some of the stuff. The the Lampkin thing really was confusing as all get out. It was just bizarre. So best I can do is five. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.